0: Listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes, over 2,500 page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's readings, I invite you to head on over to Facebook, and there you'll find the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group page, and you'll be able to share your own thoughts and insights with others who are listening and following along. If you would like to support this free podcast, you can do so by sending a tip through Venmo to the handle Mystical City of God. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria teach us how to pray and meditate, teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady, teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was, to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 316, and we are reading from volume 4, book 7, chapter 16, paragraphs 325 to 333. 325. But her son and true God, who took notice of the wishes of such a mother, knowing that they were holy, just, and full of piety, immediately commanded the thousand angels of her guard to assist her and fulfill the will of their queen and lady. They all manifested themselves to her human shape, and told her what the Most High had commanded. Without delay they placed her upon a throne made of a beautiful cloud, and carried her to the field in Spain, where St. James, and his companions were awaiting martyrdom in their fetters. Their enemies had already bared their scimitars or swords to strike off their heads. The apostle alone saw the queen of heaven in the clouds from which she spoke to him in most endearing terms, saying, James, my son and dearest friend of my Lord Jesus Christ, be of good heart and be blessed eternally by him, who called and brought thee to his divine light. Rise, then, faithful servant of the Most High, and be free of thy bonds. The Apostle, as far as he had been able in his fetters, had prostrated himself upon the ground. At the words of the powerful Queen, his fetters and those of his disciples instantly fell, and they found themselves free. The Jews, on the contrary, who stood with drawn weapons, all fell to the earth, where they remained for some hours, deprived of their senses. The demons who had accompanied them and stirred them on were hurled to the profound abysses, thus leaving St. James and his disciples at liberty and giving thanks to the Almighty for his blessing. The apostle most fervently thanked the heavenly mother with exceeding humility, and in the jubilee of his soul, his disciples, although they did not see the queen or her angels, understood the miracle and were informed by the Apostle of some of the particulars by which they might be confirmed in faith, hope, and devotion toward the Most Blessed Mary. 3.26. The Heavenly Queen still more extended this favor, for she not only freed St. James from imminent death, but wished all Spain to benefit from his preaching and instruction. From Granada she ordered him to continue his journeys, commanding the hundreds of her guardian angels to accompany him and show him the way from one place to another, to defend him and his disciples from all dangers, and finally, after having traversed all the provinces of Spain, to bring him to Saragossa. All this the hundred angels set about doing according to the orders of their queen, while the rest brought her back to Jerusalem. In such celestial company and guardianship, St. James traveled through all the Spanish realm, more securely than the Israelites through the desert. In Granada, he felt some of his disciples who afterwards suffered martyrdom, and with the others and those he afterwards gathered, he continued his missionary tours in many parts of Andalusia. Then he came to Toledo, Portugal, Galicia, and Asturia. Afterwards, making digressions to different places, he arrived in Rioja. Thence, passing through Legrano, he went to Tudela and Zaragoza, where, happening what I shall relate in the next chapter, During his peregrinations, St. James left disciples as bishops in the different cities of Spain, planting the faith and divine worship. So great and prodigious were the miracles he performed in this kingdom, that those of which we know must not appear extraordinary in comparison with those we know nothing of, since these are much more astonishing. The fruit of his preaching in Spain was immense in proportion to the shortness of his stay, and it would be a great error to say or think that the conversions he made were few, for in all the places reached by him he established the faith and ordained many bishops for the government of the children he engendered to Christ in this kingdom. 3.27. In concluding this chapter, I wish to state that by different means I was made acquainted with the many contrary opinions of ecclesiastical historians concerning the things which I am describing, as, for instance, concerning the departure of the apostles from Jerusalem for the purpose of preaching the faith, the partition among them of the world by lot, the establishing of the creed, the departure of St. James and his death, About all these and other events, I understand writers differ very much in assigning the years or dates of their happening, and in harmonizing them with the text of the canonical writings. But I have no commission from the Lord to clear up these and other doubts or decide the controversies. From the very beginning I have said that the Lord commanded me to write this history without regard to opinions, and without mixing up my certain knowledge with opinions. If what I write follows naturally and does not contradict in any way the sacred text, at the same time maintains the dignity corresponding to the matter. I cannot undertake to add the authenticity of this history, and Christian piety will ask for no more. It is also possible that by proceeding in this manner, some of the differences of historians may be made to harmonize, and to this the well-read and the learned will attend. Instructions given to me by the Queen of Heaven, Most Holy Mary, 328. My daughter, the miracle of my being raised by the divine power to the sovereign throne of God, in order that I might be consulted in the decrees of his divine wisdom and will, as described by thee in this chapter, so great and extraordinary that it exceeds all the capacity of man in this mortal life. And only in eternal glory and in beatific vision, men shall recognize the sacrament with the most special joy of accidental glory. As this blessing and wonderful privilege was the effect and the reward of the most ardent charity— with which I loved and do love the highest good, and of the humility by which I considered myself as his slave, and as these virtues truly raised me to the throne of the divinity, and established me there, while yet in mortal flesh, I wish thee to have a more intimate knowledge of this mystery, which without a doubt was one of the most exalted, wrought in me by the divine omnipotence, and which excited the grave's wonder in the angels and saints." Thy own admiration I wish thee to turn into a most vigilant care, and into a most lively desire of imitating me, and in following me in the virtues by which I merited such favors. 3.29. Remember then, my dearest, that not only once, but many times was I raised to the throne of the Most Holy Trinity in mortal flesh, during the time which intervened from the descent of the Holy Ghost to my assumption to eternal glory. In what still remains for thee to write of my life, thou wilt understand many other secrets connected with this privilege. And every time the powerful right hand of the Mosai showed me this favor, I experienced most copious effects of graces and gifts, according to the different ways of the divine omnipotence, and according to my, as it were, ineffable and boundless capacity of participating in the divine perfections. Sometimes, in conferring upon me these favors, the Eternal Father said to me, My daughter and spouse... Thy love and fidelity bind us to Thee more than to any other creature, and fill us with the plenitude of satisfaction. Ascend to our throne, so that Thou mayst be absorbed in the abyss of our divinity, and hold in this Trinity the fourth place as far as is possible to a mere creature. Take possession of our glory, the treasures of which we place in Thy hands. Thine are the heavens, the earth, and all the abysses. Enjoy in this mortal life all the privileges of the blessed, more fully than all the saints. Let all the nations and creatures whom we have called into existence serve thee. Let the powers of heaven obey thee. Let the supreme seraphim be subject to thee. And let all blessings be thine own in our divine consistory. But thou enlightened as to the great counsels of our great wisdom and divine will. And do thou take part in our decrees, since thy will is most equitous and faithful. Penetrate into the reasons for whatever we resolve in justice and holiness. And let thy will and thy motives be one with ours, in whatever we provide for our holy church. 3.30 In such ineffable condescension the Most High governed my will, that he conformed it entirely to his own, and that nothing was done in the church without my decision which was to be conformable to that of the Lord himself, since he knew the appropriate reasons and motives for each of the decrees of his eternal counsels. I saw that it was not possible for me, according to the common law, to suffer all the labors and tribulations of the church, and especially not the apostles, as I had desired. This charitable desire, though it was impossible of execution, was not a deviation from the divine will, but was given to me by God as a token and witness of the boundless love with which I loved him. For it was on account of the love of the Lord toward men that I desired to take upon myself the labors and sufferings of all men. And because on my part this love was true and my heart was prepared to fulfill this charity, and as I truly grieved not to be able to suffer for all, therefore it was so acceptable in the eyes of the Lord, and he rewarded it as if I had really fulfilled it indeed." Hence arose my compassion for the martyrdom and torments of the apostles, and the others persecuted for Christ and all of them, and with all of them I was afflicted and tormented, and in some measure died after their death. Such was the love I had for my faithful children, and with the exception of suffering, it is the same now, although Christians do not suspect or know how much my charity deserves their gratitude. 3.31 I received these ineffable blessings from the right hand of my divine Son at the time when I was raised from the world and placed at his side, partaking of his exaltation and glory in the full measure possible to a mere creature. The hidden decrees and sacraments of the infinite wisdom were first made manifest to the most holy humanity of my Lord, which, being united to the eternal word, was the admirable medium of the divinity. Through this humanity in another manner they were communicated to me for the union of his humanity with the word is immediate and substantial, and hence it participates intrinsically of the divinity and of its decrees, in a manner corresponding to the substantial and personal union. I, however, partook of this favor by another wonderful and unexampled process, considering that I was a mere creature, and not having the divine nature in a manner similar to the most holy humanity, and as one who next to the man-god was closest to the divinity." Thou canst not at present understand more or penetrate deeper into this mystery, but the blessed understood it, each according to his degree of heavenly science, and all of them understood this conformity and similitude of myself with my divine Son, as well as the difference between me and him. All of this was and is now to them a motive for new canticles of glory and praise of the omnipotent, for this was one of the great wonders wrought in me by the powerful right hand of God." 332. In order that thou mayest increase the force of thy holy affections and desires as well of nature as of grace, although they may not be within the possibility of execution, I will reveal to thee another secret. It is this, when I perceived the effects of the redemption and the justification of souls by the operation of grace through contrition or through baptism and the other sacraments, I conceived such an esteem for them that I was filled with a holy emulation and desire to participate in their effects. As I had no sins of which I could be cleansed and justified, I could not partake of their effects in the same degree as the sinners who received them. But because I wept over their sins more than they all, and as I thanked the Lord for these blessings so liberally conferred upon them, I gained more graces than were necessary to justify all the children of Adam. So much the most I permitted himself to be indebted to my works, and such was their merit of grace in the eyes of God. 333. And now, my daughter, consider under what obligations thou art after being informed and enlightened concerning these great and venerable secrets. Let not these talents lie idle nor waste or despise such great blessings of the Lord. Follow me in perfect imitation of all my doings manifested to thee. In order that thou mayest nourish the flame of divine love, ceaselessly bear in mind how my most holy son and I in this mortal life sighed and ardently yearned for the salvation of all the children of Adam, and wept over the eternal perdition incurred by so many in their deceitful and counterfeit pleasures. In this charitable zeal, I wish thee to distinguish thyself very much as my daughter and disciple, and as the most faithful spouse of my son, who delivered himself to the death of the cross on this very account." For if the force of this love did not take away my life, it was because the Lord miraculously preserved it. And this is the love which placed me upon the throne of God, and made me partaker of the counsels of the Most Blessed Trinity. If thou, my dear, shalt be as diligent and fervent in imitating me, and as anxious to obey me as I expect of thee, I assure thee of a participation in the favor shown to my servant James. I will hasten to thy aid in thy tribulations." I will govern thee as I have so often promised thee, and more than this, the Most High will be more liberal with thee than all the highest wishes can ever hope to compass. This concludes our reading today for day number 316. We've been reading from volume 4, book 7, chapter 16, paragraphs 325 to 333. We continue to get the little teasers about St. James in our reading today, and Well, tomorrow we begin the chapter about Our Lady of the Pillar, this great miracle that took place in Saragossa, Spain. But we heard a little bit about the apostolic journeys of St. James today, the different places he went, the potential martyrdoms that he almost underwent, but was spared by Our Lady. We heard in the instruction of Our Lady today, In all of them, and with all of them, I was afflicted and tormented, and in some measure died their death. Such was the love I had for my faithful children, and with the exception of suffering, it is the same now, although Christians do not suspect or know how much my charity deserves their gratitude. Well, first, be grateful that Our Lady loves you. Be grateful that Our Lady from her place in heaven looks down at us and calls us her child her spiritual child, that she is our spiritual mother in the order of grace. Such was the love I had for my faithful children, and it is the same now. She loves you. I think that's something we can just sit with, the love that Mary has for me. Now, in that love that she has, we heard that she has wept over sinners. But because I wept over their sins more than they all— As I thank the Lord for their blessing, so liberally conferred upon them, I gained more graces than were necessary to justify all the children of Adam. So maybe as we sit with the love of Our Lady, well, then we also sit with the fact that she weeps bitterly over sin. I've said this before, but think of the statue of Our Lady of La Salette, her face and her hands as she's mourning over the sins of the people. And so, overwhelmed by her love, we reflect on her weeping over our sins, and hopefully as we do so then, that compels us to let go of the sins of our life and live a life more worthy of the Lord Jesus and his grace, which we obtain through Mary's intercession. And then finally, our reading closed today. If thou, my dear, shall be as diligent and fervent in imitating me and as anxious to obey me as I expect of thee, I assure of thee a participation in the favor shown to my servant James. I will hasten to thy aid in thy tribulations. I will govern thee as I have so often promised thee. And more than this, the most I will be more liberal with thee than all the highest wishes can ever hope to compass. I will hasten to thy aid in thy tribulations. What a great promise. Mary, hasten to me in my hour of need. Do for me what you did at the wedding feast at Cana as you saw the wine running low and going to Jesus. Do that for me. Come to my aid. Hasten to me. May Mary obtain for us from God all that we need to faithfully serve him in this life. May we have a participation in the favor shown to St. James, who we'll learn more about tomorrow.